Hi everyone, welcome to Psychedelic Conversations. This is your hub for engaging in deep conversations around serotonergic hallucinogens that alter perceptions, affect cognitive processes, induce mystical and spiritual experiences. Enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Psychedelic Conversations podcast. Great to see you guys and I have a very special guest from the Peruvian Amazon and his name is Jason Grechanik. Hope I pronounced it well, Jason. I'm sure you will tell us how to pronounce it in a moment and I'm really excited to welcome you on this show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. And yes, you, you, you pronounced it correctly. <laughs> awesome. Um, before we dive in, I do have uh, some questions and some of the concepts that I would like to check in with you and talk about with you. But first of all, uh, just to introduce you to my listeners, um, from what I know, from what I've been observing, and you have a very successful podcast the universe within which i became a huge fan of recently uh, which will add links and all the contacts to you uh, for our listeners um, it's become my go-to uh, podcast now and it's just incredible the concepts and the the educational and information all of these things that you share is great with your guests and um, i'm just so happy that i found you because um i feel like we need to know more. I think we need to learn more, especially coming from the West, coming from the Western uh, mindset. I think we really need to know more about the psychedelics and also plant, you know, plant medicines and hyogens, um, however we want to refer to them. But we do, I think it's a great time now to dive into the education. But before we go into that, please tell us your story. How did you end up in, uh, in the middle of the plant medicine space and also facilitation and everything that you do. Can you give us a bit more uh, information? How, you know, and also like tell us um, right now where you are and your projects, all those things we want to know. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for having me, Susan. Um, it, it's always one of these questions. I'm never sure exactly where to start, but um I would say, uh, I think one thing that, that really influenced me is is when I was younger, uh, my my father was very interested in uh, cultures from around the world, and and I think especially cultures that that hadn't been touched so much from from the outside world. So. Uh, I grew up being very fascinated with that. I, I grew up in the U.S. and and from a very young age, I was very fascinated with the, the Native American cultures. And um, then when I, I would say probably in my late teens, early twenties, I, I became really interested in in 
for lack of a better word, spirituality. And, and I really began kind of just immersing myself in, in all of these different teachings from yoga and Taoism and uh, Native American philosophies, Vedic thought. And um, I, I felt like there was something in all of these teachings that, that I was looking for. Um, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I, I felt from a lot of these ancient or esoteric teachings that they were all pointing to something very similar. Um, and, and I had a sense of it and I, I began a lot of different practices like yoga and martial arts, Tai Chi, Qigong, all, a lot of different things. Um, and then at, at some point uh, I ended up uh, doing a really long trip, um, which is a whole nother story, but it, in that trip, um, I found myself in Asia for a long time. And again, learning about a lot of these practices and. I'd always been really interested in, in, in shamanism and, and I spent some time in Mongolia and, and I think certain experiences I had there really began to open me up. And then I, I was living in New York and I had been there, I think for, for 10 or 11 years. And I just had this deep felt sense that I, I needed to get out of there. Um, I mean, I think some was like literal. I felt like I was dying in a way, but uh, probably more metaphorical, although I'm sure to some degree <laughs> it was physical as well. But um, and uh, I had I had heard of uh, this plant medicine, ayahuasca, which most people I'm sure are familiar with now. And I had a friend who was in the Santo Daime Church, which is a really big Brazilian organization that, that works with ayahuasca. But I, I never really felt so called to work with it. So I'd known about it for a long time. And then just kind of things serendipitously started happening and it started coming to me more. And I, I just felt this, uh, this uh, at one point, a very deep calling to go and to work with it. And so I, I wanted to go to, to, to where the source was, the Amazon jungle. Uh, I went to a, a really large plant healing center there. And um it was an amazing experience. It really opened me up to, I think, a lot of the things I'd been learning and studying about, but on a very experiential level. And, and I think for the first time, and this is a really common theme, I, I think, in a lot of these spiritual traditions, this idea of Maya or Vipassana or even a Christian concept of apocalypse, which is often we it's been very mistranslated as to the end of the world, but the, the actual meaning of it very much like Maya is to lift the veil and to see the world as it actually is, not how we want it to be or how we think it is through, through the lens of, of our own patterns and beliefs and, and upbringing. So it, it, it really opened me to, to a different way of, of seeing things and experiencing reality. And, and so it was something I, I wanted to explore deeper and again, it was kind of serendipitous because at the time that the place I went to was looking for someone to come down and to teach uh, some different modalities, things like yoga, meditation. Uh, and, and again, I, I had had this like deep knowing that I needed to get out of New York. And so kind of I put two and two together and I was like, okay, well, this is the opportunity. So I, I came down to the jungle. Uh, I, I was working in this place for a long time, and 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 I really started to go deep into that work through working with it myself a lot, uh, working with ayahuasca, beginning to work with other people. I, I started doing um, a process of, of dieting plants, which is in the Amazon. It's one of the traditional ways that people really begin to learn from plants is through an experiential ingesting of plants. Um, some... <laughs> 
there's this word like psychedelic, which, you know, ha has a lot of different connotations. I think that the, the, the real meaning of it is very beautiful, which is the mind made manifest or the mind revealed. And, and, you know, I think to, to that degree, all of these plants do that. Uh, some, some have become much more well known because they, Oscar, San Pedro, um, and then many of the plants are much more subtle. They're they're working on much uh, more subtle layers. So uh, I went into a really deep process of that, um, dieting different plants, especially doing a lot of work with tobacco, which became a, a really big part of my path. And I, I just never really left uh, left the jungle. Um, I that was. 10 years ago now almost. And uh, so for the, the past decade, pretty much, I've, I've been living and working and continuing to learn. And uh, it's just kind of been a natural evolution of, of beginning to work with these things myself and then uh, eventually starting to, to work with other people. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it really, more than anything, it, it just came from a, a deep desire or curiosity to... Oh, to, to know myself, to know my place in the world, to, to try and understand, you know, <laughs> what is all of this? Why are we here? What are we doing? Um, and, and I think a lot of these, these ancient or esoteric practices are, are really trying to get at the root of that. And, uh, you know, which ultimately I think is a sense of, a sense of peace, a sense of contentment, a sense of, uh, of, of a belonging in the world, a, a sense of, uh, of a connection and, and, a, and a, a sense that there's, there is a deep meaning to life and uh, beyond just what the, the sensory perceptions that we have um, kind of show us on a, on a daily basis, that there's, there, there's many, many layers underneath that. And it's a, it's a beautiful, fascinating, scary, terrifying, uh, amazing journey when we go into that. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. So would, would you say that you are now facilitator, um, shaman? I don't know if these concepts are right to say, or, or how, how would you um, describe yourself? Are you a uh, crandero? What are those concepts? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I usually kind of avoid those just because they, they tend to have a lot of, uh, I think, excess meaning behind them. Um, my main teacher, for example, he, he wouldn't call himself those. And he, of all the people I know, embodies all of those qualities <laughs> more than anyone I know. But I think there, there's, a, there's a real reason he avoids them. Um, you know, if anything, he would call himself a guide. And, and I think to some sense, uh, that's, that's maybe where I find myself. Um, my friend Claude, uh, who, who I've interviewed, he, he uses a really beautiful term, which is bridge keeper. Um, and, and I see myself in that role more, which is, uh, you know, how to, how to take these, these, these ideas, these practices, because it really is a different way of, of looking and understanding the world. And, and it's not, it's not foreign to any of us. It's, it's, it's inherent, you know, we're, we're all human. We all, 
uh, is my friend Amika, who I've also done a podcast with, uh, explains it very beautifully in, in, in his line. It's this story that we all come in the primordial anaconda canoe. And so we all carry a piece of that and we all carry a piece of these medicines. Um, but, you know, certainly in this day, especially with how small the world has become and, and how knowledge has become so condensed, there is a certain way of looking at the world that's become very predominant. And, and I think in many ways, we've lost some of these other ways of, of naming things, of defining things, of, of stories, of, of myths, of legends, which have a tremendous impact. Uh, you know, even as kids, we, we read these tales, these, these children's stories, and they're, they're very powerful. And there's a reason we tell those, or traditionally, at least we told those to kids, is because it, it actually begins to shape how they look at the world. And, it, you know, if, if, if all we're taught is that you know, like what I see and touch is real, then that's that literally shapes our reality. But if we're given stories or tools or or plants that can reshape that, then that then becomes our world. So, yeah, I mean, you know, part of my work is facilitation, facilitating uh, plant medicine ceremonies, working with uh, uh, indigenous people who hold these traditions very strongly, kind of, again, being the bridge between that. Also, with my own evolution now, I've started, uh, you know, with the blessing of, of my teachers giving these plants. So I've, I've stepped into that role of, I guess, what could be called a curandero. Um, but ultimately, I think they're all really, it, it's the same path. It's, it's, it's essentially trying to, to, to aid people in, in their own evolution. I love that. Beautiful. And how do you feel about... Um these plant medicines or, or the um, teacher plants becoming a trend because um, what I'm observing being in London and being of course from this side of the world that where you are, um, I'm observing uh, a lot of, uh, especially social media, people on social media and, and this whole plant medicine is becoming a trend somehow it's becoming a, um, I heard of um, psychedelic tourisms, ayahuasca tourism. I've heard of this concept, which kind of disturbing in a way. And also I've heard that um, a lot of the people are sort of in competition to become a shaman, facilitator, or a crandora, you know, as we do things in the West, you know how it is with the civilized world. We're always in this competitive, this, this nature of competition. And um, it's almost like I hear a lot of stories which are quite disturbing again. Um, somebody just kind of attending to a few ceremonies and then claiming to be a facilitator and uh, so on and so forth. In, in your work, how do you deal with this? And one thing I would like to say is that what I love about the bridge uh, keeper or one of my favorite concepts is the wisdom keeper I think I feel like we've lost this over time if we go back to the ancient times there's always elders that always you know also called the wisdom keepers that kind of pass it on to the generations and they tell these stories that you mentioned earlier to the grandchildren and then to, to their children and and so on and so forth so I feel like a lot of the authentic 
facilitators and, and shamans, these are all different, different terms, but we understand what it means. They're all wisdom keepers in a way. And, um, and to become a wisdom keeper, there is a lot, a lot of work beforehand to get to that, that level of um, bridge keeper or wisdom keeper. And, and of course, um, what do you see when you, if you are observing the same things that I am in terms of this whole thing becoming a trend and it's also empty also, becoming an empty shell? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, um, I think everything you said is is really true. It's, um, you know, in an ultimate sense, uh, there's a lady who I like a lot. Her name is Byron Katie, and she has a very simple teaching. Um, but uh, something she says is really beautiful. And she says, uh, when you fight reality, you lose, but only 100% of the time. And I think that's really, really profound. Uh, you know, what the direction the world is moving ultimately in, in a larger sense is always good. I mean, that, that, that's the only, that's the only thing it can be, you know, it, it may, it may have of course drawbacks in the moment that there's always going to be challenges. There's going to be fights. Like before we started recording, you, you know, you're mentioning there's protests in, in London and, you know, the, the policies that are happening, we, we could label potentially as bad, but uh, you know, a good is that there's, there's a resistance, there's awakening that comes from that. So we, we can never know how things happen in a larger picture, why they're happening. Uh, you know, that's, <laughs> that's kind of reserved for God in a way, uh, you know, something that's beyond the mind. Uh, and, and we can try and figure those things out and we can come up with really good theories and, and beliefs, but ultimately it's in the realm of the unknown and, and that's where trust and faith come in. And, and, you know, those, those words, especially faith have become really kind of taboo words in our culture because it, it means you can't understand it. And that's, that's deemed a very not good. You know, if you can't understand it, it means it's not real. It means it doesn't exist. Uh, and yet in an ultimate sense, the mind is limited to what it can know. It's, it's limited to itself. And in Zen, they say it really beautifully, which is the, the knife, you know, it can cut everything. It can cut all things. Anything can be cut with a knife and yet a knife can never cut itself. And, and in that way, it's like the mind, like the mind can know potentially anything, anything that's made manifest, but it can never know itself. It can never know what's beyond the mind. So, you know, I, I think in an ultimate sense, it's, it's trusting these things. And, 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 you know, I think it's, it's beautiful that these plants are, are becoming more well-known in an ultimate sense. That's good. I, I think there's a symbiotic relationship that the reason they're spreading is because there's a deep need for them. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a suffering, there's a longing that people are experiencing and they're finding solace in these plants. They're finding teaching, they're finding healing, they're finding connection. And that's a beautiful thing. And like with anything, it, it, you know, there's this pendulum effect and it's going to go to an extreme and it, there's going to be damage and, and there's going to be side effects, but then how do we bring that pendulum back into a balance and, and find that more holistic way of working with them? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I think there, there's really a, there's something symbiotic that's happening. The, the, the needs of of humans are are very much in this time now being answered by plants, and and I think really a big part of that is because we've lost that. 
you know, it, these plants have never, they've never gone away. It's just, we've lost the connection with them. We've, we've gone in another direction. And, and now in a sense, we're beginning to remember, we're beginning to come home. We're beginning to rediscover our own inherent traditions. You know, none of these things are, are foreign to us. They're, they're at the root of, of all the cultures we come from. Um, you know, that's why it's been said many ways, but, you know, truth is one and paths are many, but the truth is one. And, and all of these things are pointing towards that. So, of course, with that, uh, all sorts of things are going to come up. And, um, you know, for, for a long time, for example, here in the jungle, uh, these, these plants were really uh, being lost. Those traditions were being lost because people didn't want to do the work. They didn't want to spend a year, two years, three years, you know, in isolation, uh, fasting, not having sex, uh, barely eating, uh, because that's very difficult. And, and if there's no kind of light at the end of the tunnel, you know, nobody wants your help. Well, why, why are you going to do that? And so it, it took, you know, rare individuals who, who really wanted to, to dedicate themselves to that path. Obviously, as, as this work spreads and becomes more monetized and more acceptable, that's a beautiful thing. But of course, there's the other side of that, of, of as you said, you know, people who may want to, uh, profit more from the rewards than from the process itself. And, but there's nothing you can really do about that. That's just, again, something that's naturally going to happen. And, uh, and then that's something we have to, you know, as, as, as individuals, as collectives, as societies uh, come to ways in which we deal with that. Uh, you know, it's, I'm sure that's why in, when we look at like Western medicine, it's a very long process to become a doctor. You know, you have to go through all these trials and tribulations and study and practice. And then at the end, you get a diploma, you know, which is in a way, it's a good thing. It's like when you go to a doctor's office and you see that diploma, like, you know, he's at least gone through some sort of training, <laughs> You know, with this work, it, it's that's not there, and whether that's a good thing to have or not, I don't know. I mean, there's there's that's debatable, but um, you know, a, a lot a lot of this work has been lost. It's been persecuted. It's been lost out of a lack of interest, and and now it's coming back. So uh, that's going going to be again up to to people, societies to decipher. You know how to best do that, who, who actually is qualified of doing that, uh, what does that mean to do that? And, you know, certainly it, it, it's a really common thing now. People come down and they, they go to an ayahuasca ceremony and they, they think they're, they're enlightened or, and, 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 and they want to share this medicine. And often that's coming from a really good place. You know, they, they've, they've been genuinely changed and they want to share. Um, but again, I think a really good analogy is like a Western doctor. Uh, you know, you can have a, a beautiful experience and that can hopefully lead you on a path of, of maybe going down that, but it's not something you can just do right away. You know, ultimately it, it is something that's, that's very skilled. And, you know, even when you ask me about titles, uh, you know, even though I've been doing this work for 10 years, <laughs> There's still many, many things I don't know. You know, I feel like a baby, an infant in 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 knowledge, and it's it's a continuous path. And um, so, kind of a long answer, but but basically to summarize, it, it, I think ultimately it's good that these plants are spreading, that this knowledge is spreading because it's something we need. It's 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 
it's something that that's always coexisted as part of being a human being. It's actually, you know, it's what it means to be a human being. And so it's, it's beautiful that we're rediscovering that. And then with that, there's going to be all sorts of issues that then we have to, to deal with as well. Mm, that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Um, your answer reminded me of the webinar that I watched um, from uh, Rick Doblin, Maps Canada, the founder of Maps Canada, as you know. And um, I think the question was to him, um, because of the research and now science is stepping in and they're having these incredible uh, studies and research results, um, biotech companies are moving in fast. Um, like you said earlier, there's going to be a lot of people trying to exploit or even um, turn it into profit. And the question was, what do we do with all these biotech companies moving in so fast uh, and using them as an investment? Um, you know, how, how it is for money and to grow and turn them into profit. And his answer was, well, let them because they, they it's going to be much easier to get these medicines legalized or decriminalized if they move in fast. That was the, um, it really surprised me because um, what I'm observing in so many psychedelic forums and communities, a lot of people are almost in a protest mode. They want to protest these biotech companies. And then Rick Doblin comes in and says, no, let them because they are more powerful. They have a say, they have um, authority and, um, they can only help us get the message out. So I thought your answer to the to my question about you know people claiming to be shamans after a few um, ceremonies it's very similar. So what I find is that people who genuinely, authentically practice plant medicines or any psychedelic medicines for healing purposes to make impact or actually um, genuinely um, help people, they have this very objective outlook and they don't have like they don't hold sides either it's fine because um also there is this trust i always tie it to the trust i think a lot of people have done a lot of work with these medicines they have this um profound connection and trust to the unfolding that there is not much of a panic or worry that everything will be fine it's almost like um one of my online mentors, Caroline Mace, she's a theologian, and she says, all is well, either way. So I think that's an immense faith and having that trust is incredible to see. So I think when he answered everybody this, um, you know, that's fine. There was a sign and a relief even inside of me because this also something that I've been pondering on and I'm thinking maybe they are helping the movement. Maybe they are pushing the you know decriminalization um hopefully they will help us get to those people who actually need these medicines and uh, yeah just wanted to say that so it's it's very kind of a this is my observation from people that come from a genuine plant space they uh, they really think it's okay we don't need to react we don't need to protest and we don't need to take sides yeah yeah, and and there there there's a balance to everything, and it's it's <clears throat> you know ultimately if a biotech company comes in and and produces results, great. Um, you know, my sense is that's probably not going to happen to the degree that we think. 
um, because that's that's not how these plants have been worked with. Uh, you know, it's it's not it's not one alkaloid where if you take that alkaloid, all of your problems go away. Uh, if it was that easy, that's what the traditions would be pointing towards. They would just give you an alkaloid, and that's it. But none of the ones that I know of work that way. There's 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 a worldview around the work. There's stories. There's there's practices. There's training. There's uh, you know, deep knowledge, deep um, a, a deep process that one has to enter in. And if it was just that easy, if you just take an alkaloid and all your problems go away, well, then all of our problems would be gone. <laughs> but that's not the case. And and you know, a lot of that comes from you know. I often don't like to use this word, but kind of this more Western way of looking at things that, you know, X equals Y and Y equals Z. And if I do this, then I get that. And many things do work that way, but many things don't work that way. They're not that simple. And if it is that simple, then great, then there's, there's no problem. But, you know, all of these traditions have a tremendous amount of wisdom to share. And if we if we kind of have this arrogance that we can, that we know better, that, you know, we can look under a microscope and just find that the one thing that, that, that encapsulates all of this knowledge and all of this meaning, well, great, <laughs> but obviously that hasn't worked. That's why we're, we're looking again to these more ancient ways of, of, of being is because that way it's, it's, it's progressed as tremendously, you know, there, there's tremendous beauty in that we're, we're sitting here now, you know, you're, uh, I guess in London, I'm, I'm in Peru and we're being able to share and many people, you know, hopefully we'll be able to benefit from that. That's amazing. That comes from, you know, one plus one equals two. That's incredible. Um, but that's, that's not the entire world. You know, there, there's many things that aren't explained that easily. And that, uh, so many of these traditions, uh, you can't just extrapolate one thing and think that you're going to get the essence from that. I think a lot of that also comes from the way the world is moving, which is very much this like instant gratification, like, oh, I'm going to take ayahuasca one weekend and, and I'm going to be fine. Probably not. Uh, it could be. <laughs> and if that happens, wonderful. But these things take work and they take real dedication and, and it takes, uh, you know, it takes a genuine desire also. And, and you know, it's like anything. If two, if two people, uh, you, you know, take sports as an example, if, if, if I've done, you know, if I've done sports my whole life and I'm eating really well and training and my dedication is super focused and I get up early and I do all these things and I go to this new sport, and then someone else who's been sitting on the couch all day, eating potato chips, drinking beer, you know, watching TV, then they go to that same sport. Are we going to be in the same place? No. And that would be foolish to think that, you know, so it's the same thing with this work. It, it's not that just, you know, anyone can take it and experience the same results. No, you know, there, there's all sorts of other things that go into that. And and that's where the, the dedication comes in, the the the, the real the, the faith, the the desire, the desire to really want to heal, the desire to really want to understand the root of our problems, and, and that's something a lot of these plants that for, for me and 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 from from my work with other people really points towards is 
you know, we, we live in the society where it's so easy to like point the finger, like, ah, oh, it's this person's fault. It's the corporation's fault. It's capitalism's fault. It's the it's the, the skin color's fault. It's the gender's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my ex-girlfriend's fault. It's my ex-boyfriend's fault. <laughs> you know, it's everyone, but we forget about us. Like, where do we fit into that? And for me, these plants are, are really a journey into self-knowledge, into self-inquiry. And while all of these other things are important, they have a place in our life, we can't omit the root of all of that, which is us. And so these things really take us on a very deep journey into that. And, you know, in an ultimate sense, as you were saying, I guess to tie this back, you know, yes, all is well, all is well in an ultimate sense. But it's you know, that's not just a saying that we can kind of use as a mantra and our life is going to change. <laughs> you know, it, it only works when we really go in and begin to see, you know, what is not well, what is not well within me, what is in a state of disease within my body, within my mind, within my emotions, within my connection to spirit. And as I begin to see that and I begin to bring harmony to that, then I then I can begin to say, okay, yes, like in a deeper sense, like things are well, things are how they should be. But that's not to say we just, you know, sit sit in a cave and, you know, have a mudra and, and chant all is well. No, it takes action. It takes doing. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess long answer, but, you know, I, I, think, I think there's a lot of validity in what Rick is saying. I think the only downside of that too is, it's super important, again, that we do respect where these things came from uh, because they exist within that context and they can't just be taken out without also understanding the context with which they're in. Um, and that's not to say we shouldn't try because if it works, again, great. But my sense is it's not going to work in that way. We, we have to take, you know, the other things that it that accompany those. And that's where this, you know, I think a lot of protests that you were talking about from people is valid in the sense that, you know, we have to understand these things in a deeper sense, where they came from, the cultures that, that brought them to us. And then also, you know, we can't get stuck in the stagnancy of these things are static because none of these cultures are static as well. They're also constantly evolving and changing and growing. And so it's always that dance between the two polarities, you know, the dance for change and knowledge and, and, and trying to find the essence while at the same time trying to understand and, and honor the traditions in which they came from. Yeah, that's beautiful. Always. Um... Currently, I am sort of paying more attention to, or at least cultivating um, this idea that there is this psychedelic discipline. Um, meaning, um, I do like the term psychedelic, and I don't know how other people are using this term, but for me, it's exactly what you said in the beginning of our conversation. It's about the mind manifesting. And for that reason, I, I like the, the term psychedelics and currently I've been paying a lot of attention on the psychedelic discipline and I want to tie this in with what you said um, yes all is well but there is work to be done and you know it's not about taking one psilocybin do high dose and or ayahuasca ceremony but also 
putting the work in. And I think um, in the West, a lot of our struggles is not being able to relate to what that work is. Um, and you and I, we both know this because of what it entails to do work, because, you know, I also have a background with the medicines, but I also have a holistic background, um, psychotherapy background, where I know that the moment there is a fear or there is a moment of a discomfort, we shut down, we don't want to go there. Um, and then we can find millions of excuses and why not? Millions of justifications why sh we shouldn't. Um, I think, yeah, one of the, coming back to the, the, the concept of not really understanding the work. What is that? What does it look like to do the work? Um, it's very interesting that there's so many people, I still get a lot of questions of, what do you mean? Like, how do I start? What does that look like? And so I've been, lately I've been paying a lot of attention on cultivating somehow a psychedelic discipline, which um, entails, um, I'm sure you understand earlier, you said about um, working in retreats with uh, offering yoga, offering maybe meditation, offering these other esoteric disciplines so that they all come together and support the whole process. And I was thinking, <clears throat> if we look at the esoteric traditions, for example, meditation and fasting was something that like, it was a foundation um, in their self-inquiry or self-work or deepening their connection to themselves. So I felt like maybe we need to bring tangible processes uh, to the Western world where people can really actually understand the work that we always talk because there, I feel like there is a division. There's a lot of people who's uh, started their journey with plant medicine and they really get the work because they put the time in and the years. And then there is a new um, um, wave of people um, who are now hearing about the medicine and now interested in the medicine. And in some communities, it's really interesting for me to read that they are still, there are still questions of what can I do in an ayahuasca ceremony not to purge because I heard it's purgative, something like that, right? So, yeah, so this, coming back to this psychedelic discipline, I, I would, I, you know, I'd like to think that you probably value a lot of these, um, you know, tools and practices that could support the whole process in itself. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, w within a lot of the maybe the the, the centers here that, that work with plants, especially kind of catering more to, to to foreign people who are you know working with indigenous cultures, but also having like facilitation again, kind of that bridge so that that people can relate in a way and communicate and and be able to share and combining these other practices. Uh, you know, I think that's something that a lot have seen is very important, and, and usually they they would they would use the word integration. Like, how do you take what you learn and integrate it back into your life? And with this idea of, of integrity, wholeness, how do we become whole? How do we take what we learned and and merge it into our lives so that our lives are whole, so that we're we're happy? We're not in we're not in a state of disease. We're in a state of ease. And, and that can be very challenging. Um, 
uh, the, I think it's the, the gospel of Thomas. He, he says really beautifully something along the lines of, you know, when in order to find, you have to seek, but when you seek, you're going to be terrified. But when we transcend that, then we can stand in awe. And I think that's just an inevitable part of the process. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of like opening Pandora's box. Uh, we, we find ways to seemingly make us happy, whether it's through buying things, relations, sex, adventure, extreme sports, whatever it is, uh, Netflix, ice cream. <laughs> and, but most people I think have some sense that, you know, something isn't quite right. Like I'm not really happy on a deep level. There, there are things that make me happy. You know, I enjoy being around family and friends and their activities, but there's something maybe that's missing. And, you know, we can continue to kind of put band-aids over and to find ways to dance around that question. But ultimately I think it's something we all have to come to terms with. For some of us that, that may be on our deathbeds. Uh, you know, if we've ever been around someone who's dying, um, sometimes that's that's a very difficult process. You can see kind of the the pain or the coming to terms with things, the the, the deep sense of self-inquiry. And then some people maybe have done that work and on their deathbed they they go really peacefully. But we have to do it at some point, whether we want to or not. And, and so I think when we begin to open that Pandora's box, it can be very difficult. And so that can be a really common thing is, is, is people come and they work with ayahuasca and then it, it kind of shakes their world up. And then like, how do I, what do I do with that? And, and that's where you were saying is, is having a practice can be really beneficial, uh, whether, and it's going to be very individual because we're all different. We all need different things. Um, but having something that we can kind of incorporate what we've learned into our daily lives, it could be yoga, it could be meditation, it could be gardening, it could be a sport, you know, um, uh, it could be some sort of volunteering work, it could be uh, you know, working with these plants on a regular basis. I mean, there's so many things, but, but a way to begin to connect with these things that we learn, because ultimately these plants are teachers. They're, they're, you know, I would say the healing is more of a byproduct because we all need healing to some degree, but ultimately what they're trying to do is to teach, you know, to teach us to be whole, to be happy, to, to feel loved, to be able to love. And so how do we take those teachings, those principles that we learn and how do we cultivate those? And again, that's going to be very different for different people. That's, that's why the world is so beautiful because it's so diverse. You know, every person is unique. There's so many different paths. There's so many different things we can do. Um, but, you know, finding a way to begin to integrate that. And, and that's not always going to be easy. There's going to be ups and downs and lefts and rights. And there's going to be times where we feel amazing. There's going to be times where we think, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. That's all normal. That's natural. And it's just, you know, continuing to put one foot in front of the other, continuing to, to follow the principles of these things and, 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 and to move forward. I mean, that's, that's life, you know, life is the greatest teacher, life is the greatest integrator. Um, but finding things that are conducive to, to our wellness, to our wholeness. Yeah, that's, yeah, again, another beautiful insights. Um, so one of my favorite things that I, I like pondering on is um, uh, currently, 
with the uh, social media, you know, advancement and, you know, living this digital age, um, I'm again observing um, a lot of people just seeking that optimal, you know, result, optimal. It's all about optimizing hacking, biohacking, optimizing everything. Uh, automating, you know, because we don't want to ever feel a sad day. We don't want to, I'm glad you mentioned, like sometimes even the um, most, you know, experienced journeyer, plant medicine worker can be lost and it's fine. It's almost like we just reject this idea of if you've been on a plant medicine journey for 10 years, then you should, you should be all figured everything out. So you should be always happy, you know. I know this is silly, but there is this unconscious belief that drives many of us into continually seeking this far, this image, this perfect image, far out, almost unreachable. But we're thriving every, we, we, we're driven every day, this uh, crazy motivation to get there, but it's probably not even there. And that we will reject everything that comes with this whole, um, process of getting there and that you know I mean a lot of us are obsessed with you know the this whole influencer concept like if you're online and um, if you're sharing wisdom if you're sharing any teaching it's, it's almost like you know um, you cannot make any mistakes anymore and people are just watching and there is this really intense um, restriction around this I observe and that somehow we've forgotten what it's like to be human and human being human is just messy, right? It's just, we're just, um, you know, these the bodies, you know, we have these emotional uh, states that uh, like waves and we're just so complex. And somehow we have this idea that we can wire ourselves to be optimized for hundred percent success 100% happiness, 100%, you know, no failure, no failure. And, uh, and um, I, you know, also know that the plants do the exact opposite for us to really show us, no, 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 come back to your center. You know, this is not about this perfect image. I think um, from my experience and from my observation, a lot of people who take ayahuasca, they're sometimes disappointed because of this real truth that's just, you know, been shown or at least um, they understood. What are your thoughts on that? Do you struggle with people coming to you for, you know, as a guide? Do you see these common um, patterns? So be interested in, to find out. Absolutely. And <clears throat> Again, I think ultimately everyone is looking for wholeness. They're looking for love. They're looking for connection. Uh, they're looking for a sense of peace. And, you know, certainly like this idea of, of social media and influencing, you know, a lot of that I think is, is coming from that same thing. It's it, people are looking for a sense of connection and, uh, in this kind of digital world we're living in, especially like with the, the whole pandemic, people are really isolated. And we post something on social media and the, the Facebook likes go or the Instagram likes and comments. And it 
it seemingly fulfills that sense of like uh, that sense of longing, that sense of connection. And yet, you know, very often it's, it's coming from a place of suffering of a deep, you know, inadequacy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if I'm, posting a picture of me having a beautiful meal and the hashtag is like, you know, beautiful meal. Well, that's, that's false in a way, because in that moment, I'm not having a beautiful meal. I'm, I'm taking a photo. I'm, I'm on my phone. And if I'm really having a beautiful meal, then I'm having a beautiful meal. I'm, I'm not taking a photo and saying I'm having a beautiful meal. The experience itself is the beauty. Um, and so that's what I see from everyone. I mean, everyone comes down with their own stories, whether it's deep trauma they've had, uh, not feeling like they have a purpose in the world, wanting to to have a job that that makes them feel more fulfilled, um, trying to amend relationships. But it, at the essence, it's all the same thing. <laughs> you know, people want to be happy. They they, they want to feel connection, and. It's it's one of the interesting things, you, you know, as you said, it, it's not that by taking a plant, uh, all of our problems go away. Some of our problems may go away. Whatever needs to be resolved or whatever that intention we're coming with, that, that deeper sense, you know, beyond the mind, but on that deep sense, why we're actually working with those plants. There's something that we all have a sense of what needs to be resolved. And those things can get resolved. If they didn't, no one would be doing this work. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. But one of the one of the interesting things with this work is it's a common question. Often, like when I'm facilitating ayahuasca ceremonies, is people will say like, "Oh, well, you know, you must have mastered ayahuasca now. It must be really easy for you." And if anything, it's the exact opposite. At a certain level, yes, it may be easier. Like if I, if I go to that place that I'm familiar with, like anything, it, it's going to be easier. Like anything we do, the, the more we familiarize ourselves with something, the easier it gets. But I mean, you could use any metaphor. It's like playing the piano. Like, you know, are you able to play Happy Birthday? Uh, yeah, of course. After you play that a while, it's going to be easy. And then is playing Happy Birthday easier? Yes, it's easier. But then what if you want to play something more complex and then you want to play Mozart or Bach, you know, it actually becomes increasingly more difficult. The things that have been resolved or the, the, the familiarities are easier, but these things are always going to take us deeper. And, and that depth is really up to each person. Like how deep do we want to go? And many people are content with whatever it is they're looking for. That's, you know, maybe resolving a certain trauma, uh, resolving a relationship they, they had, uh, you know, finding something that gives them purpose. And then that thing has been resolved and maybe they don't need plants anymore. But ultimately, depending on how deep we want to go, those challenges are ultimately going to become more difficult. You know, I don't, you know, I, I've worked with, with special forces people, Navy SEALs who, you know, this medicine has humbled them. <laughs> These are people who really, for the most part, don't have fear. And yet until we really lift that veil up and, and are willing to go very deeply, you know, this, this medicine, these medicines can humble us all. Uh, you know, I don't care who you are. 
if you if you're if you have that desire to experience creation you know it, it's why i always find it funny where, where people are like oh well you know i want enlightenment it's like are you sure you really want that because that's going to be a hell of a journey you know are you ready to experience infinity you know infinite creation infinite manifestation everything you know is gone there's nothing to hold on to who you think you are is shattered everything you think you that you think is real is gone i don't care who you are that is going to be a hell of a challenge for anyone but we you know not all of us want that too you know and 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 a lot of these things it it's like evolution, you know, even within our own individual lives, we're all evolving. There's a time and a place for everything. And it's really where in someone's life are they at? And hopefully, you know, these, these practices, these medicines are bringing us to a place of resolve in where we're at in our lives right now. But depending on how deep we want to go, those challenges, yes, are, are, are going to get more difficult. So yeah, you know, anyone who says, I'm good. I have no problems. You know, everything is good. Probably not true <laughs> because that's also getting away from the, the actual, I think, teaching of any of these traditions, not just plant traditions, but this idea of me being separate. And when we say something like, I'm good, I'm permanently good, it's antithetical to these teachings because it, it's, it's, it's enforcing that separation that I'm somehow separate. And that, you know, in the future, I'm going to be good. Whereas we have no idea what the future is going to bring. You know, all we can truly speak about is right now. Like, how am I in this moment? And that could be good. It could be not good, but that's all we can know. And, and that's the only place we, we can work with. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully that kind of answered your question. <laughs> yeah, you did. Thank you. And I know we come to the end of our conversation. I've got a couple of things that I wanted to I would like you to speak to and um, so one of them is um, I heard from one of your previous conversations you talked about you resisted the ayahuasca experience for a while uh, you didn't just jump on the opportunity because um, there is this belief that everything is inside of me why should I need to take anything from outside and this has been now something that i'm observing uh it's coming up a lot actually in the communities um especially um spiritual uh communities where they say everything is inside of you uh you don't need anything from outside what are your thoughts i would like to hear your insights yes in an ultimate sense that's true um, but that would also be true in an ultimate sense, meaning you were in a bubble and you had absolutely no access to any stimuli, to your own thoughts, to your own movements. And that's just not reality. Um, you know, everything we do to some degree is taking what's coming from the outside and transmuting that internally. So, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, I'm sitting in meditation. I'm not taking anything from the outside. Well, we are taking something from the outside. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're even, where do our thoughts come from? You know, does that come from the inside? Does it come from the outside? What is our consciousness? Is that something from within? Is it something from without? You know, all of these, these concepts in a way begin to break down and, I think the fascinating thing about, uh, you know, if we're talking about plants, for example, 
is they contain things that that we already have inside of us. They're already endogenous to us. And I think that's why people are drawn to things like meditation or yoga is because it activates those very same things. So it's just simply, it's a different path of creating the same thing. Um, but no, we, we have to do something, you know, we we're human beings and yet the beingness is only made manifest through action. So no one can just sit there and be in a complete void. Everything we do has some sort of impact. And these, these, these esoteric traditions, if we want to call it that, you know, all of these things were tools. Of course, we don't need, you know, plant medicine. We don't need yoga. We don't need meditation. Um, But that's also just saying, it's also defining something in form. You know, it's like saying we don't need food. Well, we do need food. You know, we, we, we need water. We need air. We, we need human connection. These are things that it's what it means to be a human being. And I think so many of these cultures saw that these plants, for example, are tremendously powerful tools that can aid us in the process of what it means to be a human being. And so, you know, I think a lot of that, while, while it comes from a good place, it's actually a resistance to going deeper, to going deeper into what it means to be a human being. This may trigger some people, um, but interestingly, some of the more difficult people I worked with have been kind of long-term meditative practice people. Because there's actually often what I see is there's tremendous resistance to fully go into life. There's this almost like a, a block of, you know, well, everything I need is, is within me. But that cuts out so much of the, the, the world. And actually, they, part of that process is allowing things to come in. And if we can't do that, then we end up stuck. We, we end up suffering. So in an ultimate sense, do we need anything? That's for someone else to answer. But it seems like, of course, we do need things. There are things that are fundamental to, to being a human being. And, and I think a lot of these practices, like plants, uh, were tremendously powerful tools that helped people to be better human beings. Uh, and, you know, if we disregard that, then it's our own it's our own suffering in a sense that we have to deal with. Uh, you know, in the same way, if we said, "Well, I don't need food because all all of the energy is within me," maybe <laughs> you know, if you can do that, great. Um, but it, I think to to disregard you know thousands, if not potentially hundreds of thousands of years of wisdom of these people who are saying like this is a fundamental part of what it means to be a human. Like this is medicine. This, this helps us to be more whole, to, to fully love life. Then to, to throw that out as if it's unnecessary seems, uh, seems maybe arrogant in, in the least. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I love that. Beautiful. Um, 
you know, coming from a more kind of scientific and holistic background, I always, um, we used to have these conversations with the Kranderita that I used to work with. Um, and um, there was a conversation we had where she said, even though, um, you know, say, for example, you know, there are retreats happening all over Europe and, um, and that's something I'm going to ask you also just after this quickly. And if I can squeeze that question in, whether it's uh, better to experience these medicines in their um, land, you know, like um, in, in the jungle or how is the effects, you know, because a lot of European uh, retreats are available now. People are, you know, carrying the medicine all over the world. And again, coming back to this conversation quickly, um, just because, you know, we're having a retreat in the middle of, um, say, city. Um, and and the people that who are processing these experiences and awakening to their own essence. And maybe tomorrow they will start to carry a different energy and they will go home and that energy will remain with them. And like I said, coming from a holistic background, I do acknowledge that uh, we are nervous systems talking to each other. So my nervous system communicates with yours. There is, un, you know, there is no language that there is energetic continued communication and she says yeah they'll receive some of that doesn't matter if they don't attend the ceremony so you are actually now becoming this carrier of the the energy so i think these are beautiful concepts and one thing i wanted to just squeeze in is that when people always come to me with oh, i don't need anything from outside i always say sometimes you need something to crack you open because of these conditionings, these layers, these, you know, it's like, we're like, you know, onion, you know, we've got to keep peeling those layers. And sometimes, like you said earlier, the, the walls are so thick, so strong that we need something to just crack those open and bring them down so we can finally see what we are. And then we don't need anything, right? Because it could be the initial, um, you know, metaphorically cracking us open type of thing yeah 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 and it's a very good question as to you know are these plants more efficacious outside of their natural environment um uh, or, or less i guess so um it's it's a difficult question i mean you're coming from london there's in england there's a huge culture of drinking tea you know tea doesn't grow in the UK, at least not to my knowledge. Um, and yet there's a tremendous enjoyment of it. There's a tremendous learning from it. Uh, you know, tea is also psychoactive. Uh, a lot of people don't think that. Uh, certainly with the dosing, it's, uh, you know, people aren't having huge experiences, but they drink it because it's changing them. It's, it's changing how they feel, how they're thinking. It's opening them. It's, it's calming them or maybe even stimulating something within so that's a beautiful thing. And I think like anything, it's, you know, can we find ways to make these things sustainable to, to, to carry on the traditions? Um, and I would imagine even with tea, you know, a lot of that was observing how tea was traditionally taken. There's a ceremony around it. There's a time, there's a place, there's a ritual. Um, so with these plants, it's inevitable that they're going to begin to spread. That's just it's part of nature. A, a bird takes a seed and flies a, a few kilometers, a few hundred, a few thousand kilometers, and it moves too. And maybe it can grow, maybe it can't. 
we as humans, we also transport things. So there's a beauty in it, in, in it moving and spreading. And, and I, I think it's a balance, you know, can we, can we honor the roots of where it came from? Can we work within those ways? Can we take that and incorporate it? And, and is it a sustainable practice? And it may be in the long term that it's not. It, it may be that it is. I, I don't know. That, that's where I think where human innovation also comes in. Maybe we can make it sustainable. Maybe ultimately it's not. But as you said, maybe by it getting out and changing so many people, it becomes something that we don't need as much, or we're able to take <clears throat> to take the essence and not necessarily the form. So we can take the essence of what it is and begin to apply it to wherever we are. Uh, you know, dieting, for example, plants that exist where we are, using that same philosophy, using the same practices to take the essence of that work and bring it to where we are. Maybe it's working with mushrooms. Maybe it's it's not really working with any super, super, um, psychoactive plant, but uh, local things, the practices, you know, you mentioned like this idea of fasting and meditation. That's a traditional Amazonian practice. That's what the diet is. When you, you ingest a plant, you're isolated, you're fasting, and you're meditating because there's nothing else to do. There's no books, there's no nothing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these practices are universal. And so I think it's ultimately the more we can, we can take the beauty of all of these practices. And, and then again, as you said, begin to apply them to our lives and, and find a way that's uniquely ours, but that's honoring the tradition that that's keeping the essence and be beginning to apply it to our lives. Cause you know, for sure, you know, if if you're a if you're a single mother in London, good luck taking you know three months to go do a, a diet in the Amazon. Probably not going to happen. But is there someone there who can potentially help you to do that that same thing in a way that's maybe conducive for you to be able to do that? Um, and and so yeah, I think in that way, as we share, we can begin to to create the earth that that we're all looking for. You know, something that is conducive to all human beings, honoring traditions from all over the world, honoring traditions from from the Amazon, honoring traditions from England, honoring traditions from you know wherever, all over the world. And uh, a teacher I have, Amika, says it really beautifully. It, it's taking the medicine from the four directions, and 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 not saying that one is any better than any of the others. Like they're all beautiful. We all have tradition, we all have medicine. And how do we take that and create a new Maloka, a new ceremonial space? And you know, the Maloka is really, it's the traditional Amazonian house ceremonial space, but it's also, it's a microcosm for the world. How do we take that and create a new world where, where we honor all of these things and, and we work together to create something beautiful? Amazing. Yeah, that's a perfect way to finish our conversation. <laughs> but before I let you go, could you just tell us about your uh, project with the universe within podcast? Um, of course, I will be adding the links and uh, are you enjoying it? And what are the, the what's the mission behind it? And uh, if you can just quickly tell us about that before we let you go. Yeah, it was it was something I, I had thought about for a long time uh, creating um, because it, to some degree that's how I began to learn was was through this medium of podcasts and 
um, beginning to, to learn more, not just about um, plants, but just life in general. And I think it's, it's an amazing time we live in that, uh, you, you know, essentially we have access to all of this information. Um, when I, when I started working, it was something that I wanted to do, but I, I was living in the Amazon. The internet is not good <laughs> to say the least. It, it has gotten better where I am, but it really just wasn't feasible. And more than anything, I was just, I was working so much that, that I, I didn't, I couldn't find the time. Um, with the, the whole pandemic thing that happened, I, I found myself with a lot of time because tourism shut down, most of this work here in Peru shut down. And it, 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 it just kind of came up like, hey, now, now is the time to do it. And uh, it, it's actually one of the things that, that, that made me leave the jungle. And right now I'm, I'm in the, the more mountainous area of Peru uh, where the signal is at least a, a little bit better um, and, and I can actually do it. Um, but the idea was really to, to give voice to, to the people who are really kind of on the ground doing this work, because I, I saw, like, as you said, obviously this work is spreading and spreading very rapidly and, and that has its good and it also has its bad. And I think part of the, the downside of that was there was a lot of voices of people who really weren't so engrossed in this work. They, they had maybe had an experience or you know, different people speaking of it, but, but in a way that I felt wasn't necessarily so grounded or speaking from my experience of like what the essence of this work actually was. Um, you know, of course, like we can talk to elves and see aliens and, you know, all of that is, is, is great. Um, but for me and, and the people I work with, that's not the essence of, of, of what this work is pointing towards. So, the, the idea was really to, to give these people voice, uh, you know, the, the, the curanderos, the healers, the, the guides, the facilitators, the teachers, the, the, the people who are really doing this work so that they have a voice so that as this work does get out, uh, there's, uh, there's hopefully some wisdom that can be shared that, that, that allows this work to, to go out in a, in, a, in a more holistic way and, and to really help people in their journey because they're when I started, there was very little information out there and that can be a bit difficult because it's like, you know, it, it's like, what am I doing now? There's, there's much more information, but again, that can be a little challenging too. Cause it's like, how do I decipher what's real and what's not? So yeah, it, it's really just to, to hopefully uh, help people and, and to, to, to help them to learn and, and to hear from the people who, who are really uh, either have roots in these traditions or who have really kind of dedicated their lives to it. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for such an amazing work. And I love that you have chosen to give voice to those people who are on the grounds working and really from coming from their perspective, because you said it's true on social media or YouTube, we see a lot of people sharing their own experiences, maybe just a one-off experience, but we never get to see these real people who are daily in the middle of these um, processes, yeah. And holding the spaces and also doing the work themselves. It's such a great project. Thank you so much. And thank you, because I mean, it, 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 I, I think you're doing the same thing and giving voice to those people and uh, bringing this work out in, in a really beautiful and holistic way. So uh, I, I think we can all use more of that. And so, so thank you for your work too. It's, it's very important. Jason, gratitude and uh, yeah, collaborations are beautiful. 
and slowly we are creating the world that we're seeking and we're hoping. Thank you again and I'm sure we'll have you back for a second part somehow in the future and really looking forward and um, thank you so much. All the best. That'd be great. I'd be happy to come back. Thank you, Susan. Amazing. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Please do get in touch with Jason and myself for any questions. Do comment and um, see you guys on the next one. Bye for now. Much love. Thank you so much for joining us. Psychedelic Conversations podcast is designed to educate, inform and expand awareness. For more information, please head over to psychedelicconversations.com. You can also share with your friends or leave a review so that we can reach more people. You can also join us in our private Facebook group to keep the conversation going. This show is for information purposes only and it is not intended to provide mental health or medical advice. Thanks for listening.